good to see you guys from the front. I'm going to bend here so it doesn't fall down. You can grab your Bibles and then you can go to uh, Acts 22, the last chapter. We'll continue in Acts, or soon as there's an Acts. And Myers was saying, was it this week or last week? What are we going to do afterwards? I was like, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Um, but we are coming to the end because there's only 28 um, chapters. But I was, uh, um, yeah, I titled the hope of the resurrection. And so it's one of, it's one of those sermons that uh, maybe a little bit is like Easter, because we're going to continue. We're going to consider, uh, like, well, we're going to. I can give it away. We're going to end up in, uh, in First uh, Corinthians 15, where 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 Paul talks about the resurrection and the importance of the resurrection. But before that, I was just, I, I was, I have, I have, it's, it's very interesting, these things fall together, but I was very challenged and very encouraged by one message where it, the message was about something totally different. It was about, I can't even remember, I can't even, maybe that's not good, but I can't remember what the message was about, but he kept coming back to, it's because of the resurrection of Jesus. It's because of the resurrection of Jesus that I can forgive my spouse. It's for because of the resurrection of Jesus that I can be kind to people I meet. And so it's it's one of those things where people are going to ask, what is, what, oh, just turn me down a little bit, I think. Uh, it's one of those things where, where people are going to ask, what, what do we believe as Christians? Well, this is one of the very, very big keys. And, and so in the leadership, we're a little bit structured like, a certain way, and then ch churches emphasize different things about the gospel. So sometimes maybe we can get stuck on the cross. It's like we are so bad that Jesus has to die for us, and that is true. But with no resurrection, it doesn't matter the cross. We have to reach the resurrection to believe and live out what we believe about the gospel. We cannot end at the cross because then we have a dead savior. We die with Christ on the cross, yes, but there must be resurrection, or we will just sit in the corner and make no difference, because we are unworthy and we cannot do anything, which is true, but we've been resurrected with Christ to live out what he has been made able for us, the good works that God promised before the world began that we could walk in. That is only possible through the resurrection. Maybe this is all the stuff I should say at the end, but it became the introduction. Um, but now we'll read together. Um, the text that we're going to read, 22, uh, 30, and then through 23, uh, 11. Luke, he writes, But on the next day, he decided to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews. He unbound him. Uh, this is, uh, uh, what's his name, Claudius Lius, uh, who unbound uh, Paul, and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down 
and set them before them. Paul, looking intently at the council, said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting a judge according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, you order me struck? And those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you should not speak evil of the ruler of your people. Now when Paul perceived that one part of the part was Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of a Pharisee, in respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead, I am on trial. And when he said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and that symbol was divided. For the Sadducees said that there is no resurrection, no, no angel, no spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledged him own. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes and Pharisees party stood up and contended sharply, We find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when this dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so must you testify also in Rome. This is the word of the Lord. And so, uh, uh, where we left off last, there's this, there's a big confusion of why uh, why the the why the Jews want um, uh, Paul. Uh, Why, why the, why, well, Claudius listens the tribune. He still doesn't know why, 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 why they, why, why they are so mad at Paul and why they want him accused. He doesn't even know what they want to accuse him for, and he doesn't like. He's like, there must be something. I mean, he can now. He he now knows there's no. Like he says, like he wants to know the real reason. Like what is the real? Like why are they so upset? There must be. He must have done something. And so he, he's, uh, he, um, what do you call it? He, he's, he, uh, he kind of releases him. It seems like he gets more freedom, and then he drags him down. Uh, oh, you can take this light of the Sanhedrin from. from I forgot. Uh, well, it's small, but that's where he uh, he was drunk. Uh, it's, it's part of the temple complex where the Sanhedrin meets the the, the Jewish council. Uh, we've talked about it before in the Acts, and at this point. Ah, it's not really working the right way, and I have a, can you find a slide with the, the quote from Warren Visby about uh, Ananias? Um, so Ananias is not a very nice guy. <laughs> he was corrupt, and he stole, and he maneuvered all he could, even so that some of the priests would starve. 
And as what Ananias was indeed one of the most corrupt men ever to be named high priest. He stole tithes from other priests, and he did all he could to increase his authority. He was known as a brutal man who cared more about Rome's favor than for Israel's welfare. That's also the guy <laughs> that, that, that the, that's the guy that somehow has become high priest, and looking out for himself way more than anybody else. Um, and, um, and so with a man like that as uh, one of the head judges, uh, maybe this is a trial that's not going to be the most fair trial. Um, but Paul's, Paul's put in front of him, and then he, he connects with him, saying, Hey, my brothers, uh, I've lived before God with all good conscience until this day. And that gets a, uh, an interesting response. But before that happens, I, I, like I just, it, you know, it springs out to me, like, how can, he, how can Paul live? I've lived in all good conscience. Because we know he said himself many times that he persecuted the church and, and different things. But that's not really about what this trial is about. Uh, the Jews wouldn't really care about that either. It's about whether Paul has obeyed the law and whether he has a clean con- conscience, uh, uh, whether he's lived, a, lived with a clean conscience uh, as a Jew to the law. And what he said last week uh, in, in his whole thing, I've, I've lived the strictest way the whole time. I've been obedient to whatever God has told me. So we can say, is that just a crazy boast? No, like in this, in this, context, in this context, it actually is true. As, and now I'm just reminded about some of the Psalms where, where David says, I'm blameless. Well, we also know we also know David's stories that we know that throughout his whole life he wasn't blameless. Well, what are you, what are you talking about in the context of some things? He was blameless. So in this in this, in this instance, Paul is not just making stuff up. He he is saying, I have lived my life with you guys all all my all my all of me wanted to obey the law and. Um, be pleasing to God. I've done all God has asked me to. Then the response, <laughs> then the response is that uh, is that um, oh no, I have actually another point. <laughs> Before we get to the response, can you take the Philippians uh, three seven eleven seven eleven? Um, because Paul, last week and also this week, he, he lists all the things he has accomplished for God. And then all the, all the things, like so you can say a pedigree or a CV or something, this is all the things I've done for God. But then, then in Philippians he writes, but you know what, all those things, all I was blameless. I was, did all the things, I followed the strictest part. I was a Pharisee, I was on the Gamaliel. Says and comes into Philippians here, and he says, uh, "I'll just uh, just one moment." What does he say? He says, "When I counted all as loss, these things that you think and I thought was so important, this is nothing. They, they are nothing." It's a very how does she know it's Greek? And she knows the, the word means actually very. It's a very bad word. It's not a very nice word. 
it's like poop and things. Um, three seven, yep. But whatever I had gained, that's all the things he just said. I followed the law, I did everything. Indeed, I count everything as lost. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them all rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, that's actually what you were saying before. That was his own righteousness. I was blameless. I did all these things. But being found in him, not having a righteousness on my own, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and they share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. And he says, not that I ever think it is, it's very good, but he's saying that I did all of those things that you think is so important. Then he gets punched in the head, but, but now I count all those things rubbish because now I know Christ. It's not my righteousness, but His righteousness in me. And that I'm willing to cast all the things away that are nothing but to know Christ and have His righteousness through faith by His resurrection. That I also attain resurrection. Yeah, so he gets slapped in the head. <laughs> and then, like, if you get slapped in the head while you are, your first point in court, you're not even done, and then <laughs> the head, head judge gets you punched in the face. Oh, it's, a up, it's an uphill, it's an uphill uh, trial from there. But they've already decided that it's not true. And so Paul, he, Paul, he gets he gets angry here, which I I, I get, I, I get that. So he, he like he gets super angry, and he responds with like, "You white, God will strike you down. God's gonna strike you down." A prophetic utterance. Um, you whitewashed tomb. Where is it? Oh, here. And he says, you're sitting in the judgment and you're supposed to administer the law and you order that I'll be punched in the face contrary to the law. How can the judge order something that's contrary? And then there's also, like, it's, now it's all over the map what people think. Like, <laughs> The response is, hey, will you revile God's high priest? It's like, the high priest just, the high priest just broke the law. So people are like, does he not know who he is? I mean, he's been gone a long time. 
didn't have the clothes on for the high priest or something. And some people think Paul's ironic, but like nobody, there's all over the place, whatever you think is there. The, the point is that the high priest doesn't seem to be worthy of the office, and he's definitely not administering the office as it should be. And the response is not don't correct what they did. They just say, hey, you can't talk like that. Paul then says, no, I, okay, I shouldn't, have ta I shouldn't have talked that way. But it's interesting. Um, a, a man named Josephus, he actually writes about when, when the Jews rebel and, and everything, and you have the riots, and Ananias actually he actually hides himself in an aqueduct and is killed by some of the Jews because they don't like him. So you could say a prophetic utterance that he would actually be struck down. And maybe you remember the wise dwells tomb saying in the woes in Matthew, if you take the Matthew passage, in the, in, Jesus uses this too. He says, like, woe, you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you're like washed, washed tombs, which out, outward appear beautiful, but within are full of dead man's, dead people's bones, and all are cleanliness. So also outwardly you appear righteous to us, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And so that's that's an easy way to like oh yeah that the the Sadducees they're like oh here it's actually Pharisees but uh, so Paul uses it for the Sadducee because um, what's his name and I see he's the Sadducee but people like oh, what's his name and Jesus Jesus says hey you're super hypocritical you, your hearts are so bad and wrong but you 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 like paint yourself as like being righteous people but inside like you're full of dead man's bones and uncleanliness and lawlessness and I was just thinking if we just dare to stop here and just look at ourselves oh Are we more concerned what other people think about us than what God says about us? Because, you know, God knows everything about us all the time. But Jesus' point here, and also um, Paul's point, is that it's hypocritical to come off as righteous if inside you are nothing like that. I, and I don't think this has nothing to do with whether we're perfect or not. Especially in church, I think it's a lot more about, like remember Paul saying, like, you don't, don't have a high view of yourself, don't have a low view of yourself, have a right view of yourself. Don't come off as like super mature if you're not. Don't say you are doing great if you're not doing great. There will be nobody praying for you if, hey, I'm fantastic. Well, <laughs> I don't need to pray for that guy. <laughs> so,
it's, it, I think it's a call for us just to think about, okay, but am I living my Christian life for other people to see mostly? Or is it, I was in Mars in the beginning, is it for the love and the fear of the Lord that I, I live my life? I was sitting up there and just being, I was very moved by what Dennis said because I I know who I am and where I come from. And so when other people say, oh, I really experienced something strongly from what you said, I was like, oh, well, okay, well, that must, that must be the Lord <laughs> that you experienced that through. And so it's, it's not, again, it's not about being a worm, it's not about, it's, be an accurate view of who we are so that we can ask the Lord to work with us where we are and ask our brothers and sisters to pray with us where we are that we would move forward through Christ's death and resurrection we will move forward to where he has to walk with us and I just had to, like this little sentence that you know Jesus never died for us so that we could be clean on the outside and, 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 and full of dead man's bones on the inside. Jesus didn't die that we could be whitewashed tombs. No, he, he, he died so we'll be new creations. Whole, new whole creations in him. Paul observing what's going on in the council, he can see, maybe even from when he studied himself, he's okay, these are Sadducees, there were more Sadducees that was had the power, and then you had the Pharisees. So somebody said maybe he remembers some of the people he studied with in the as he was be, as he was studying as a Pharisee, and then he cries he cries out, you know, he's people say, Is he clever? Is he you know what is Paul doing here? And I think it, some of the answers, what I said in the beginning, like if you get, if the main judge punches you in the face for saying something that's right, the trial's probably not going to end that well. So he shouts out, it's with the respect of the hope of the resurrection of the dead I'm on trial, which is, which is absolutely no lie, because we just read about what Paul means about the resurrection. But it also causes the assembly to degenerate into a huge mob, and I don't know, I don't know if you've seen these videos. Sometimes I don't know if it's from from the Philippines or if it's from somewhere in Asia or where. Sometimes they have these. Uh, sometimes the meeting in the apartment goes a little bit nuts, and you have people like then it's just laughing. You have people like jumping on each other and punching each other like. <laughs> It doesn't happen very much in Damien's parliament. I don't think it ever happened. But then there's like a full-on, like full-on fight and violence and like people beating each other up because it, maybe more people would be in politics if that was the case. But uh, but but that's what seems to happen here because then you have the, those th two different groups starting to like full full-on just scream and yell at each other, and you have. Uh, in, and when this is all happening, you have uh, just chaos again. 
you know. And then uh, at, you have uh, some of the people, of the Pharisees, come up and say, "But what if, uh, what if he didn't meet an angel? What if uh, somebody spoke to him?" Like, well, we see nothing wrong <laughs> from wanting to kill the guy. Like, to to know they don't not, we see nothing wrong with him. There's nothing wrong because he believes what we believe. So we don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> so, so, so there's just mass chaos, and then. Uh, and Claudius Lucius is like, oh, he's gone home to drink tea or something. But he hears about this thing, it's going all wrong. So he orders them to, okay, go get this guy, we need him out. Because or else they might t- tear him to pieces. So in getting a twist of irony, I think it was Marius that started with, you know, the ones that were really supposed to protect Paul is the one that are trying to injure him the most and then the quote-unquote saviors are the Roman occupiers who <laughs> basically hate them all, but they're actually the ones that keep Paul safe. When we see this throughout, whenever Paul has preached the gospel, we see the enemy try to push back. We've seen it with all the persecutions he's had, with the false teaching, with the slandering of everything. So again, there's there's a, a, an um, attack of the enemies or try to, can we just kill this guy to have him have no influence? And we've seen people oppose him for power, for money, for influence, and here maybe it's all of it. According to Josephus and the other people that write about the high priest at this time, they're more, in, they're more influenced about what influence and money that they can get and what power they can have from Rome than actually taking care of the people and judging rightly according to the law. It seems like, honestly, they don't really care about the law, at least the high priest. And then... And then... Um, you can say this is going to be a long, long, long time for Paul. <laughs> He's going to have a very long imprisonment, uh, being left in prison from one person to the next person to the next person. And um, but look at what look at what happens in eleven. It's very, very beautiful, and it's happened one time before. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as I have testified to the facts about, as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, you, so you must also do in Rome. I, I mean, I just, I only saw it today, and I guess I read it many times. Just imagine, like he comes back from this weird trial, and now he's back in jail again. And and as as uh, was it in Corinth, where they were meeting opposition, the Lord comes to him again in the night, and it's it says, and he stood by him, like so. In somehow in a physical form, Jesus comes and stands by him and says, "Take courage." because you must testify in Rome also.
like you know in a in a place where you could be so discouraged because you nobody the all the leaders didn't want to listen to what you had to say falsely accused falsely tried and now you're in prison and the Lord meets him and I was just it says so much about who God is like his grace and his mercy to send Jesus to Paul and he stands with him the following night encouraging Paul that you will testify and just like also maybe he's like you've done a good work you have testified about me in Jerusalem but you must also testify in Rome encouraging Paul that word can be so hard and difficult what a grace what a mercy what strong encouragement what an amazing awesome faithful God we have by no means did Paul have what would be called an easy life. God was there with him when it was really difficult and really tough and hard. And I guess in my mind I'm reminded about what Jesus says like at the end in Matthew. I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you to the end. So I think for us, when we read these stories, when we, when things are hard and annoying and not going the way we think, do we experience that Jesus is standing with us? Are we so sure in his death and his resurrection that he is standing with us? So Jesus, he, he confirms what Paul has already felt for a long time uh, in Acts, that he was going to go to Rome. And Jesus just says, yes, you are going to, and you will also share there about me. So you can flip to Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. I'll just take a few, take take a little bit of it. And in 1 Corinthians 15, there's Paul talking about the resurrection and just how important the resurrection is. Because it, so you have, you would have some people who are well, the Sadducees, of course, they don't believe. And then there's some sneaking teaching in that some people would say, well, they're not really going to be a resurrection. And then Paul, he addresses those things. And I just, I just want to read from one because I just, it's just a good verses. A lot of times, like, and that's kind of also what I've said many times, like, this is what Peter and Paul and the writers often say. I'm not teaching you anything new. I'm reminding you. Now I'll remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you receive and in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you will fast to the worship I preached, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, 
he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. It talks about how Peter saw him, how Paul sees him. And then down to 12. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection? So he is not happy with the Corinthians saying that there's no resurrection. So he contends with that. But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to misrepresent God, because he testified God, we testified about God that he raised Christ, who he didn't raise, if it's true that, there are no, that the dead are not raised. So Paul is saying, like, you can't have it this way. Because if you say there's no resurrection, and Jesus didn't resurrect, and if I, what all we've been saying today is the importance of how to live the Christian life is not just the cross. It's the understanding that Jesus rose, so therefore we rise, made new, then there's no power to live, and then we have a dead Savior, and then they any sense. So he's not so happy with the people saying that. So he, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Like all the salvation you have received and the wrath of God being taken away, your sins being taken away, you being made clean, that's not happened if Jesus wasn't raised. And also those who have fallen asleep have, in Christ have perished. And this is, a, this is the key here. If, if in Christ we've hoped for this life only, we are of almost to be pitied. So if somebody can, somebody can convince you that the resurrection is not real, then Christianity has nothing to offer. But, as Paul says, but in fact Christ has been risen from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by one man came death, by one man came also resurrection of the dead. For as all died in Adam, all died, so also in Christ all should be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first truths, then comes those who belong to Christ. And then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God and the, the Father and after destroying every rule and authority and a power. Because he must reign until he's destroyed death, because God has put all things in subjection. And so, so Paul, although they never wanted to listen to him, I mean, maybe the really sharp people in the council knew that if what he was saying and what he was proclaiming, what he proclaimed first, like what he proclaimed last week, and he said, well, Jesus spoke to me and said, why are you persecuting me? And so maybe the really sharp ones would know that, oh, but he's blaspheming. He's saying Jesus is Lord. Well, they never really get there. But yes, he is saying that. If they would have let him speak all of it out, Paul would have come to the conclusion saying, yeah, you killed Jesus. You said he was blaspheming. He wasn't. He is the Lord. He is the Messiah. And you guys don't believe. You're the one not obeying the law and the prophets because you denied who he is. You yourself, well, not the Sadducees, but the, the Pharisees, you believe in the resurrection. 
We, uh, we, um, we know that from Martha when she meets Jesus as Lazarus died and, and um, she, they talk together and Jesus says, do you believe? She says, yeah, I believe my brother will, will rise in the resurrection at the end. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I said, if you will believe me, you will see the power of God. So he goes and raises Lazarus. One of the guys who had died more than once. That's interesting. Um, so about <laughs> but that's the, that's the importance of the resurrection. Then, 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 that's the, uh, and back to the, the place that the ones that I read from Philippians, like, I encounter... And I just, I, I just wonder if we can get there. I remember a long, long time ago we had this, <laughs> my first small group. We had this discussion: could, could, could we lay, be, could we lay our own human accomplishments of our masters, our PhD? Could we lay those aside for the glory of Jesus? And some people thought, oh man, that's hard because I spent so much time on it. And Paul here is like, I spent most of my whole life. Sell us for God. All those things I count as nothing that I may know Jesus Christ. We have these pictures in the Gospels as well. We have the pictures of the the great uh, the the pearl of great price. The guy who gets the field with the with the with the treasure. Those things. The gospel is only the gospel if there's a resurrection. That's the importance. That's the hope of the resurrection. It has to be that, and our Christian lives won't, it's not going to have a, I don't think it's not going to have the power of the Holy Spirit and the abiding of Christ if we stay at the cross. We need to go to the resurrection to live this out. To believe that because of the life, death, and resurrection, I can live this out. I can forgive. I can serve. Because Jesus has done that for us. And this finishing with the last verse that we are longing for, and which some people read at funerals, but we're not there yet. But the last verse is from when Paul is asked about what does the resurrection look like? And so in 53, right, for, the, for, when the, for this perishable body must be put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, death, oh, victory, where is your sting? The sting of sin, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that and the Lord your laborer is not in vain. But all that Paul is saying, even this hope is bound up 
understand that Jesus did not stay dead. He rose. So we die in Adam. We rise in Christ. For his glory and his honor and for our good that we might walk in the newness of life and in the things that God has prepared for us. That is the hope of the resurrection. Amen. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for this time and I, what I ask you just, Lord, I know it is clear in my head. I need this so much more every minute of my life in all my mind, soul, and spirit. Help us all to understand this better and better. Help us all to glorify you, Jesus, for your life, death, and resurrection. And also, as we didn't talk about today, but you're coming back. The blessed hope that you're coming back to make all things new. So Lord, encourage our people here online. Holy Spirit, move in the people who've heard this good news for the first day, uh, first time. Help people to see who Jesus is. Lord, we thank you for this time, and we praise you and honor you, and thank you for the grace and the mercy. Lord Jesus, that you are so near there to Paul. And God, you just you show in that how much you care. We thank you and praise you for that. Help us to believe and know that that is true. Help us to be about your business. Help us to know that you are so near. So we thank you and we praise you. Thank you for everyone who served here today and prayed and pray. Pray for the people traveling and those people that are sick. And we thank you so much for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey. Um, I think you may stand up for the benediction. on my glass I saw that's a big thumb <laughs> alright the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all Amen